Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another show is episode 283. We're keeping track of the episodes now with numbers, putting all our stuff on podcasts, iTunes, um, Google Play. What's the other one? Spotify. Coming at you with podcasts. It's March 9th, 2022. I'm here with Kyle Klingman as usual. Kyle, rolling through the season, into the postseason. How you doing today? I'm doing good. And I'll tell you what, here's why I'm doing good. It's because. Chris Pendleton is on the show, and when I think through my list of people that get me excited about the sport, Chris Pendleton is one of those. I'm still, I'm still in awe of the guy to a certain degree, just because watching him through my early years of wrestling, I I felt like he did it the right way, and watching his NCAA championships and watching him go uh, double overs for uh, for a pin against the University of Oregon, just a lot of reasons I like Chris Pendleton. So when you said you were going to have him on. I was more than excited. Heck yeah. Well, let's bring him on right now. Uh, two-time NCAA champion, head coach at Oregon State University. How you doing today, Chris? I need to hire uh, Kyle as my personal hype man. He's got me fired <laughs> up this morning. <laughs> Kyle, he's incredible like that. You know, I mean, um, I can't really stand him personally, but but <laughs> he is he's, he makes you feel really good about yourself. Um, double over. I don't remember this double over overhook, double overs throw against Oregon. Who was that against? Do you remember the person? Shane Webster. Shane Webster, uh, probably my, maybe my favorite moment in college, um, even more than uh, uh, winning the finals. Uh, we, 2003, we won in the NCAA championships, and at that point, Oklahoma State hadn't won a national title since 1994. And <clears throat> there's all these, like, Iowa fans or anything always talking about, oh, you guys are going to choke, the poke, choke, poke, choke. And I remember in that quarterfinals <laughs> – we have like five number two seeds go down. Me, Esposito, Mola Wall, Shane Roller, Tyrone Lewis. Oh, and we were all like just sitting there in the hotel like, maybe that's true. Maybe we are going to choke. <laughs> and uh, we all, uh, you know, kind of came together, rallied as a team on the backside, um, you know, had a had a good moment and just started going out, you know, putting bonus points up. And uh, I went into my match with uh, Shane Webster from the University of Oregon. And I remember right off the whistle, he like bum rushed me, double double unders, ran me out of bounds. And I was kind of like, well, man, I looked at John. He's like, hey, he does that again, put him on top of his head. So right off the whistle, he rushed me again, double overs, got a 17-second pin for a <laughs> third and fourth third. And uh, walking off the mat, uh, John got to, you know, put his arm around me and say, hey, mathematically, that just sealed up the team title. You know, go have fun. Really? So, that was that was the yeah, third place yeah. match or that was the Conti semi? Conti semis, Conti semis. So that, that's Saturday. But that's... We, we, yeah, I think we like pumped like uh, almost everybody that lost into the third and fourth place matches. And so it was just a good moment for me. That's awesome. I didn't realize that that was the. Like clinching, <laughs> the clinching moment for for the team title that had to that had to feel great. Did you feel like there was less pressure? I feel like that Saturday morning that Saturday morning session at NCAA's you have Conti semis and then the medal matches. It's it's like a different feel. Not I don't know if everybody just doesn't give a rip or they're tired or worn out. Or it's just it almost feels like there's less pressure and guys are just wrestling. Oh, and like, yeah, there it, it's it's probably like the best like feeling is just knowing like, Hey, 
no matter what happens, I mean, especially third, fourth, fifth, sixth, you know, those you're an all American, right? Yeah. The team stuff is usually kind of pretty much decided. Um, for us, the, the title had been wrapped up. It was just the culmination of a long year. And I remember just getting that monkey off our back. Like, okay, we won NCAs. Now we've proven all the doubters wrong. We've proven all everybody that said that we couldn't do it wrong. Now we just get to go out and have fun and, and, and really enjoy it. And that kind of was, you know, our first the first of four, so where we really started got, getting to put the hammer down and, and uh, really wrestle loose. So you 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 want three team titles while you're in college, is that right? Three, four, and five. Mm-hmm. Yep. And two individual titles. That's pretty fun. Actually, Kyle, we just were having this discussion because you know we don't ever call ourselves you know we don't wrestlers don't ever label themselves by NCAA team champion, right? Like, right. who has the most? individual and team titles because i know jake roshalt had four and four team and three <coughs> individuals is that the most well or I mean, d1 yes uh, like, i thought maybe like like lube what about bannock yeah ba- ed bannock has is the same he's three and four so he has three individual four four team so Sweet. um the, <clears throat> There's a guy named Chuck Jean who has four national titles, but he has NAIA mixed in too. So he has four and four for a total of eight, but that includes NCAA and NAIA. So um, seven's the most for D1. <laughs> it's actually impressive, uh, you know, the encyclopedia knowledge in that head. What about Ruth? Ruth? Is he he's three and three? Uh, yeah, he has seven total. Yeah. But nobody at seven. D1 could get eight because there's only, what is it? It's uh, Kale, Pat Smith, Dake, and Steve, and none of those guys were on four championship teams, right? There's only yeah, four, yeah. right? I'm not missing anybody? Four, yeah. And then potentially yeah, next year. Yeah, that's still pretty cool. Yeah, that's yeah. a cool stat. Awesome. Um, okay, speaking of teams, right? Not, you know, that's um, Oregon State, second year. Um, um, as head coach, you guys just you just took second place at the, at the Pac-12s. Like, and it was close. Where, where are you two years in? And I know we next weekend I'll, I'll tell a lot, but are you about where you'd, you, you'd like to have been with, with where you have your team? Are, would you like to have been a little bit better by now? Are you a little bit ahead? Of, and this is like, you know, when you decided to take the job back in, I think it was March, oh, yeah. almost two years ago. Um, you know, I had a, I had a, one, a one, two, and a five-year um, kind of a um, program that got actually um, um, your, your mentor and uh, helped me out a lot with uh, writing my business pro- uh, program, Brian Smith at the University of Missouri, and I uh-huh. just got to spend time with him and see what Tiger Style meant to the program, what it really was not a not a catchy slogan or hashtag. It's a it's a philosophy, it's a culture, and it's a business plan. And it really struck a nerve with me on how to start envisioning where I wanted to do and I wanted to go with with my program. And so I wrote up a one two five year. Uh, um, business uh, business model, and um, then the pandemic hit, and I really tore it up, crumpled it a little, put it under my desk, and never looked at it again. Uh, it kind of kind of tongue in cheek, but kind of serious. I mean, the last two years have been a um, um, up and down roller coaster, and I got to just give all the credit to my assistant coaches and the guys on the team for you know coming together tighter and tighter and. and buying into the philosophy and the culture. And I can reasonably say that we are ahead of schedule. Um, it's been really fun getting to watch um, the development of the program. And I just was kind of talking to my my head AD about it a little bit where, you know, I, I always say it's like, you know, it's kind of like being a head coach. I became a father at the same time. So I'm seeing the parallels to growth and all growth is painful. You know, you get, yeah. You guys have been around young children. Uh, you, I was, you know, telling the guys on the team that you know I remember when my my son opened his eyes for the first time, and he, you could tell the light was burning his eyes, and you know, when teething starts coming through, all these little small things that it's like as they grow, it's painful, and you know, losing a heartbreaker at the Pac-12 championships is is really really painful, but it's growth of the program and it's showing that we're on the right track. So, I'm uh, I'm happy with what we're doing. Went from a 2.6 team GPA to I think we're tracking around about a 3.2, 3.3. Um, we've had like no disciplinary issues, and we've had a lot of buy-in to the, the beliefs and the culture of the program. So those are the things that we kind of hang our hat on, and 
help us sleep a little better at night, but not sleeping too good with half a team point. <laughs> yeah. Um, so one, two, and five-year plan, I think that's really interesting. Um, without like giving away, getting too specific, and, and I guess they did change, like what was the, the, the plan for two years? And I, maybe it changed because of the well, pandemic, but, you know. Well, it, it just was a, a kind of going off of uh, some of my previous stops. Um, um, you're building a house. You're building something. Everybody talks about building, right? And the, damn. what would a number one recruiting class come and build in the dam, right? What, you know, we wanted to lay the right foundation, the right culture in place for future generations. And that was kind of putting that foundation of our house down and making sure it was rock solid and it was what we believed in, what kind of Tiger style has meant to the University of Missouri. Just that solid foundation that it doesn't matter if you're a superstar recruit or a walk-on, you come in and you know the expectations and the beliefs that are set out for you. Um, you know, it doesn't matter if you bring a number one recruiting class in the country in year one or two, who are they going to follow? Who are they going to lead? And it, it was a little bit of my experience at ASU when I was um, seeing Zahid Valencia almost kind of walking into a program being the alpha, the top dog, the guy that everybody's looking at. But who was guiding, who was mentoring, who was Zahid following? I was incredibly fortunate. My freshman year, I got to walk in the Oklahoma State room and see Mark Munoz, number one in the country, chasing the national title. And I was like, that's the guy. Okay, that's the guy I'm going to follow. That's who I'm going to live my life like. That's who I'm going to just kind of, you know, keep. I remember just being in the room, just kind of keeping an eyeball on Mark. Like he popped up, I popped up. He, you know, how he carried himself, the energy he projected. And so that was something that meant a lot to me in that first couple of years. What, what was our expectation? What was our foundation that we were laying out? And those were the one and two. You know, and we hope to start bringing in, you know, more and more uh, um, high-level elite athletes, building up our, our all aspects of the program. And, you know, we've kind of been jumping those levels. But at the same time, knowing that we have really good guys in the room, you know, we have the Willett brothers, we have Brandon Kaler, we have just an incredible amount of talent already here. And some of the people that have, you know, we kind of had a little bit of team castaway, you know, Gas St. Gary, Corey Crooks, Trey Munoz, all these guys kind of coming together. Ryan Reyes, Matt Olguin, um, having that influx of new people in that mixture. It's been really fun getting to sit back and watching how it's been playing out. I guess to, to, the, to the point of, of the, the, the castaway or whatever, how important – I mean, it's kind of changed the, the landscape of college wrestling that just guys can, can up and go transfer whatever they want. How big is that to, to building a team and, and bringing transfers in? We see it with Hildebrandt and Dean right at Penn State, and um, I think it's, it's important, right? Yeah, it's important. We've it's been a little bit of a wild time. Um, you look if you look at a lot of our our, our incoming kids that had that have come in. Um, you know, one being on the east or west coast with uh, Fresno State dropping. Um, you know, we wanted to give those kids a home and an opportunity. So I know like Matt and Ryan, uh, um, those were guys that you know we had previously built relationships with. Or you know, unfortunately, when that when Fresno State did what they did, uh, these kids needed a home. And then um, you know, it was really gas tank gary it was really a weird recruiting trip because uh um orndorf from utah valley had went in the portal and orndorf's dad wrestled here so while i was trying to track orndorf's number down i had an ohio state coach reach out to me and be like hey gary's a great kid you want to talk to this kid and so i it literally i mean it kind of was like I was tracking a number down and then deterred, right? And uh, fell right into Gary's lap. And I remember Gary kind of talking to him. You know, Gary's a good, interesting guy. He's uh, he's about as uh, blue collar as it comes. Uh, he loves wrestling. He loves video games. And he loves chili. And getting him to leave Cincinnati and to leave Ohio and go come to the West Coast, I, I really didn't think it was going to happen. And then he flew out here. He saw what we were doing and, you know, canceled all of his other trips. I know Corey Crooks. Uh, uh, somebody that I've known for almost all of his life, uh, you know, with the portal, they brought in an All-American at his weight. He needed a new home. He called me, came in, and it just was kind of like an organic, like a, like kind of funny how all the pieces fell in place. And then I just believe when you have a really strong team culture, they know that the, the program comes first. 
we treat everybody the same. No matter if you're, you know, one through 35, we try to treat every person in our program exactly the same, give them the same opportunities, same uh, resources that we possibly can. And it's been working so far. Um, you, you know, you're talking about building a culture and laying this foundation. It's you, the culture is there, I would assume, right? Um, it's what I think it's it's where you want. How long did that take, right? You show up on day one, it's not it's not set. You you have to, you know, put the concrete down and, and let it dry and everything else, right? How long did that take till you felt like, yes, we have the culture, we have what I want. We don't have a number one recruiting class yet. We're not the best team, but the foundation is there. And when guys come in on recruiting trips, they're going to be able to see what we're see the vision by by this foundation, this culture. How long does it take to, to develop that culture, and and where where you sit back and say, "Yep, this 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 is." Jeez, that's a that's a good one. I mean, I, I don't I don't really have an answer. Actually, I do have an answer. My, when I really just took a step back and said the foundation is the the culture is good, the foundation set is um, spring and summertime. Spring and summertime. Um, I, I I had finally got to take my uh, honeymoon. <laughs> you know, I had like a delayed honeymoon, and um, it was terrifying, like going away. And uh-huh. I actually didn't tell the team like like I was going to you know went to uh, Hawaii uh, for my honeymoon, and I I finally had to like put on our group chat like please stop calling and texting me for the next three days. Give me a little bit yeah. of time off, and you know I was like. I'm like, okay, they know I'm gone. And I came back and was talking to the coaches and the strength coaches. Like, oh, we had 100% participation. We had everybody doing everything the right way. I was like, okay, great. And we had one of the best spring and summers that we've had. And that's when I kind of knew, okay, things are going on the right track. So you did have an answer. That was great. Great answer. (laughs) Um, Okay, the Pac-12 championships. Compare, you know, you've done it twice now, right? what was the um, was the approach at all different, right? Did you think you had a chance to win the first year, whereas you clearly did have a chance to win this year? And is there like any difference heading into it? Like, did you did you t- the first year? Did you say we're going to go win? We want to win Pac-12. Did you think it was possible, or or was there a different approach at all? I didn't even say it this year. Um, okay. I, I don't really I don't really like. Like starting with like the the outcome first and working backwards, I like to kind of see where we're going. I mean, you're going to climb a mountain. You're not going to look at the peak and say, okay, well, you know, let's go from there. We're going to kind of start off at the bottom. Your first step. Where am I going to take a step? Um, and you know, we went to the Pac-12s that first year, and um, it was so wild. Where uh, honestly, more of the thought was, how are we going to get to the Pac-12? How are we going to keep everybody safe, everybody healthy? Nope no negative tests. Let's just get to the NCAA championships. I mean, remember that was a completely different year. I mean, I was juggling like the team practices. I, I had coaches mad at me cause I was like, Hey, we got one wrestling facility. You have to go at 8 AM. You have to be out of here by eight, th- uh, nine 30 AM. I have to disinfect the mats for 30 minutes. And we have to let it settle. Then we have to get the next team in. I mean, it was like, there was so many other things like, on that thought process, um, you know, and no fans in attendance. And, and then we, we went and wrestled pretty good. And, you know, it was just really, ah, man, I hate to say it, but it was really just about giving kids opportunities that first year. I, I that was probably the worst experience is just like telling kids, like making a phone call, like, hey, you know, you're out for two weeks, you know. And at that point, at the Pac 12s last year, that was where I was having probably the worst mental breakdown I've ever had. <laughs> seven wow. out of my ten starters, seven out of my ten starters that first year, were in quarantine until Friday night before the Pac-12. A fourteen-day quarantine, ten-day, ten-day quarantine. We were taking Dalamar mats and driving them to people's houses, and like telling them to move the furniture out and laying mats down so they could work out. And people were asking me like. So how do you think you're going to do? I was like, hmm, I don't know. I haven't seen my team. But, you know, you tell me how you're going to do. <laughs> Seven of your so ten starters year. didn't get out till and it was till Friday, and it started on Saturday. Yes, out of quarantine. Yes, Devin Turner. Um, he had had what was it like? Some of it was like in forty day period. He had like he was in quarantine for twenty something days, and he's a pretty good weight cutter. So I was like zooming him, like okay. Step on the scale. I can't see the scale. Step on the scale. (laughs) 
What a I know you I, can't work out, but don't do anything. Don't eat. <laughs> oh my gosh. I you know but yeah, this year was a little different. This year was a little different though. There was um uh, there were some cancellations, right? I think the Iowa and then I think in Philadelphia. Well, Iowa was, I, the Iowa wasn't COVID related. It was like the worst. And you guys have um experienced Tom Brands and it's really great. Like Tom has been incredibly supportive of me the last two years. I've got to have some pretty good conversations with him and got really good advice. Um, um, love the guy to death. Um, calling Tom Brands and telling them you have to cancel the duel is maybe one of the scariest things that you can possibly do. And right when we get to the airport, like as that we're supposed to fly out of Eugene at 630 in the morning, we get there and they're like, right when I walk up to check in, they're like, you're not on that Denver flight, are you? I'm like, yeah, we are. Okay. So we sat there from 6 a.m. to 6.30 at night, and it was just cancellation after cancellation. And it was Thanksgiving weekend. Um, air travel has been a little bit of a challenge for everybody this year. Uh, rental cars. I mean, we really did everything humanly possible to try to get everything done. And at six o'clock at night, I finally had five different reservations to take my athletes. We were gonna drive up to Portland and we were basically gonna be spreading across. I had a group going into Minnesota, a group going into Chicago, a group going into all over. And every time my phone, like every 15 minutes, a brand is like literally call my phone like what's up date what's up Pendleton you got to do this you're a good guy but you got to do this <laughs> I was like oh mom so finally I had all this done and we were leaving the airport and I have all these like boarding passes and I'm like like starting to go through and I like stop and I went back to the lady I'm like hey these all say standby and she's like yeah that's the best I can do I was like I'm not sending an 18 year old kid to Minnesota on standby to wrestle Iowa the next day at 1 p.m. Like, I can't do that. I just can't do that. And uh, luckily, uh, Kevin Ward um, um, in Army, uh, uh, we're in Iowa. Yeah, I talked to Kevin, told him we weren't going to be able to make it. And this is his time to ride in and be that hero. And it happened. So, uh, you know, we were very disappointed about it. It still was one of the funniest things because I was like, it was stressful. And then like, you're just seeing, look down at your phone and you see Tom Brand's name pop up on your call ID and you're like, oh my God, I'm going to get you out. So what was that final conversation like when you had to be like, you know, pull the plug? Uh, you know, it was very disappointing because it was such a big, big thing um, for the program. When you get, um, you know, the University of Iowa, Oklahoma State, Penn State, all these these um, great coaches, you know, reached out uh, while we're trying to build something here and help us. Like, know that when they come in for a dual meet, you know you're going to get a huge crowd, the exposure. Um, for better or for worse, Hawkeye Arena is, you know, probably my favorite place to ever wrestle and uh, it really stunk that some of my guys aren't going to get to experience that this year um you know i wanted them to go in and you know i was like there's nothing like it when you're literally sitting there just getting berated by a 90 year old lady as uh, <laughs> it's like we're talking about in the next 40 50 years of your life um okay so so back to the pac 12s this year um well, and, and was there is there any difference? Maybe not in the uh, mindset or that that type of approach, but the physical. Well, shoot, I guess the answer is they were all in quarantine last year. I was going to say did the training change, but the training changed a ton because they didn't have any training. So now the yeah. point. So, but okay. So, the, how about this? You guys wrestled really well last year at Pac Pac Twelves, or pretty well. You said. How important or not important then is is like you know everybody's like shorten the practices, training, change the training up a little bit, the peak. Is it really all that important, or, or are we like, dude, the guys were going oh, for 14 no. days, and is it, does it not it, even it, really matter necessarily at that point, and then maybe it's more mental? It It's both. It honestly is both. Um, you know, periodization and the pra practice planning is something that, you know, we really, really, really enjoy doing. I, it's probably one of my favorite parts about coaching. Um, you know, it's like literally right before I got on the call today, I was just kind of checking up, little plug. <laughs> um, it's, it's important, but at the end of the day, it's not everything. It's, 
your brain's always the best. Your brain's always like the, the thing that's going to get you. I literally remember, I think you were in college, Peter. Um, the, uh, now you're older than me. Uh, <laughs> Not that much. I, that my my, my uh, year we had five champs. Not, uh, not a lot. No one ever really talks about Jake Rochelle that much. But I remember February 7th, he tore his ACL, PCL, and MCL. He rode a bike just by himself in the exercise room, came back, lost in the Big 12 finals, and only wrestled like a couple days there, went back to his bike, and we actually put a little Team BMX plaque on it, and then just kept doing that. And uh, me, and, me and Jake would always be roommates on road trips. He literally walked into the NCAA tournament with no brace on because he didn't want anybody to know that he had just destroyed his knee. And he would go do media. We'd be walking around the hotel. And every time we got back to the room, he would literally just like collapse on his bed. And you could just tell like it was just an, a huge drain on him, just mentally and physically. And that dude won an NCAA title like that. So your brain can tell your body what to do. But I, as a coach, what I want to do is I want to give my athletes every single opportunity and turn over every stone that they can have the best performance they possibly can. But it's going to be your brain at the end of the day. It's going to be how mentally tough you are. That's the name of the sport. I was in college. That was 2003. Yes. Uh, no, you weren't because it was 2004. You're no, old. no, 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 no. We had five champs in 2004. Is that the year he lost to Scott Barker? That was his freshman year. Bader, you're old. Just let it go. No, it was a, he. He won as a sophomore. He didn't win as a freshman. Rochelle. Yeah. He lost. He got majored by Barker in the in, uh, Pac-12 finals, or Big, Big 12. Twelve finals. That was in and '03. Tur- hey, you want to talk about a little bit of the Oklahoma? Uh, oh, there is an Oklahoma City bias for the OW award. I, I'm a little salty, so I can say it. Uh, Jacob that, that year pinned. Josh Lambrick, the returning NCAA Finals in the quarter, he, uh, I think he pinned a uh, pinned or major. He bonus pointed the um, um, the Princeton kid that had lost to Greg Jones the year before, and then he majored Scott Barker in the finals as a freshman, and he didn't get the OW award. That was crazy. I think he almost like Kyle. You have to look at it. Yeah, I think he almost bonused his way through the NCAA tournament as a freshman and didn't get the OW award. Who was the OW? That was 03. I'm, I'm like certain. It was Larkin who had like uh, three or four uh, decisions. And Eric Larkin was, you know, was a tough, tough sucker. Yeah. But you know, how many freshmen bonus their way like that in the NCAA, in the NCAA championships? Okay. Well, I'll, talk to, I'll talk to the uh, NCAAs and see if we can go back and like redo that award <laughs> and give it to Jake. So. Redo. Um, I just want to get a little respect put on Jake Rochelt's name. Three-time national He's champ. Like, it's yeah. really good. That's one match the NCAA tournament. Did he take third? He took third. What year? Was that his sophomore or junior year he lost? Sophomore. Yeah. Sophomore. Who beat him? Yeah. Uh, a kid from Northern Illinois. Ben Kyle. Heiser. Kyle, you remember? Yeah, Ben Heiser. Ben Heiser. Yeah. Any wrestling questions, direct them to Kyle. He'll... I know some. Not all. Yeah. Most. Jake and I would always be roommates on the road trip. So uh-huh. his freshman year. Yeah, when he won, I was actually favored to win. I got upset. The next year, he was favored to win. I had lost to Askren at the Big 12. So we went in. He got upset, and I won. Then our third year, we are both kind of sitting in the hotel like, who's going to get upset? <laughs> <laughs> let's, let's not let that happen again. Like, I hope it's you. No. <laughs> you both won. Um, okay, to this year, Pac-12s. Man, uh, well, you, you guys lost by half a point. Guy got really excited, spiked his headgear. That was the difference. That we, Considering that or not, how did you feel at the end of the tournament um, about the way you wrestled and just coming up short? Is it a mix of emotions? Were you yeah, happy? Were you pissed I mean, off? Were you upset? I, I'm definitely not going um, to – I'm definitely not going to let it be put on Matt Olgeen that – um, for a headgear slam, um, and the scenario of it, like it's what we're doing in the NCAs, this the the changing sport, the changing culture. You can have these choreographed dance routines in the celebration, and nothing happens. Running and jumping in the crowd and doing all these little photo ops and all these little things to build your brand, 
grow the sport. You can do anything and you put hashtag grow the sport and you're, you're, you're okay. But literally Matt had had a challenging year. He's had a lot of injuries. He's uh, uh, from California wrestling and he's like the quietest kid in the world. Like Adam Terrapelli tweeted out, like, you, you know, I've never heard the kid talk and <laughs> literally he's wrestling a California legend in Anthony Valencia. And before the match, we had to sit down and say, this is your only opportunity to go to the NCAAs. You have to beat a returning All-American seventh-year senior that you've grown up just idolizing. And the kid won in overtime and threw his headgear and lost a team point. Meanwhile, we see all the other silliness that goes on, the celebrations and all that. So that was really, I mean, I remember there's a picture of me when he threw his head, you're just putting my face in my hands like, you've got to be kidding me. But I went and grabbed him. I'm like, hey, you know what? We would have been in the position to be to lose by half a point if Matt hadn't stepped up. So it's what it is. It's what it is. Um, you know, we had our, we had our opportunities um, for sure. Um, against a great team, you know, uh, they, they have, we, they have a lot of firepower. They have a lot of firepower, uh, you know, and it's kind of one of those bittersweet things. Cause you know, I, I knew, I know a lot of the kids, I recruited a lot of kids on that team and you know, I know how tough they are. So congratulations to them. Um, we're just going to keep plugging away and closing the gap. When is the next opportunity to change that rule? Is that the, every other year rule changes, or is that right? Maybe Kyle, you know, or Chris, like that. That's I get it. You don't want a kid chucking his his headgear against the wall or throwing it in the stands. But like, let's differentiate getting excited and spiking your headgear. Who cares? When's the next time they get? They got to change that, right? It's stupid. I, I, yeah, but then when you see a kid, you know, take his headgear and throw it thirty feet in the stands when he's upset. I mean, it's it's the rule. It's I, – I, I wish it would go down to a little bit more of a judgment because even the referee was like, I don't want to take this point. You know I don't want to take this point, but I don't have a choice. And I'm like, I, I understand. I mean, it's the rule. Um, I don't think there's really a good answer because how do you stop somebody from being negative and, and, you know, throwing at a coach or something like that, you know. But my biggest problem with it is, um, you know, they let – they penalize student-athletes way too much for stuff. But then you can have coaches run across the mat. You can have coaches, you know, doing some crazy, crazy things, and uh, nothing happens, you know. And I think there's been a big debate about it with uh, uh, what should we do. I was like, you know, I, I had a, I remember one of the duels. I got a team point taken this year because I was like, hey, how much are we up by? 14, okay, how many ma- one more match? Okay, yeah, I'm going to go get my team point taken and give this guy my mind. But I think if they started doing, like, ejections, um, you're going to see coaches, like, really be on their best behavior. Especially if you start adding in, like, hey, maybe you're suspended. If you get ejected, you're suspended the next dual meet. Then you're going to see people really be on their best behavior. Yeah, and I've heard people make the argument, right? Like, what other sport do you take a point away from the team? Basketball, football, baseball, what, like, you never just take points away because somebody acted a fool or threw their headgear on the ground because they were excited. So yeah, I think they need to change that. Um, yeah, <laughs> there's no going back though. So this year's it's not, it's not making me feel any better. <laughs> At least we can laugh about it a little bit, right? I mean, okay. So aside from the half point and and all that, how, but the way your team wrestled. Right when you came out of it, get forget about the team point in the second place or whatever. Just the straight up wrestling itself um, coming out of that tournament. How do you feel? You know, first round, I I I, I was a little disappointed in our results. I thought we wrestled extremely tight because you know we started putting we started putting that idea of pack, winning the Pac twelves like in front of our at our forefront of our, 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 our minds. Right. You know, I, I was kind of nervous when they, you know, we were talking to them in the locker room before and they brought it up to like, let's go win this thing. Let's go be Pac-12 champions. I'm like, are we ready? I, let's see. I don't know if we're ready. I mean, to, to win in the postseason of the, in wrestling, you have to have a mentality that you're not going to just hope to win, that you're going to go, you know, smash the face and, and go take your championship. And I didn't know if we were ready as a program. And that first round, I, I think you could see people wrestle a little bit tight and we weren't, we weren't ready. But what really got me fired up was the next round when our back was against the wall, when the score score got really close we did not shy away from the moment 
Um, we, we beat all Americans. We pinned all Americans. We chased bonus points down. We went to the deep waters with a lot of guys. Um, and those were the things that got me excited and let me know that these kids are, are ready to take that next step of the program. And, you know, we got 10 days of preparation and I'm excited. Compare this 10 days versus a year ago, 10 days. Are you doing mostly the same things? And, and is it shorter practices and maybe more individualized and, and less um, intensity? Seem like to be the typical, um, typical things. Yeah, I mean, I think everybody's kind of doing uh, something around that area. You know, it's first is keeping the athletes healthy. Second, start working on their brains a little bit, getting up in their heads and saying, hey, these are your goals. This is your, cha- your chance. Um, some of you guys, it might be your, your last chance ever to step on a mat. So what are you going to do to, to make sure you don't have, uh, you know, regrets that you don't have those little things our biggest thing this year um that we've talked about as a program is our team book and our team motto is uh, chop wood carry water and we've been making them kind of just spend a little time here and there reading a chapter or two talking about what those chapters mean and the best part at the end of the book you find out that you know through the process of doing everything the right way daily and building those daily habits you find out that you change yourself as well it's not always just the end result it's the process of changing and i've seen a lot of good changes out of our team i've seen kids grow i've seen just you know young 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 boys become really really good men and i'm excited for the opportunity we have eight going we have one alternate ryan reyes at 197 um you know, if he if, if he's lucky enough to slide in, we'll have nine there, the most since uh, 2012. And I'm just really nervous because I, as a coach, just want them to have um, the opportunities that I had and the feelings of uh, that I've had and the excitement where, you know, 20-something years later, Kyle can come over and be like, do you remember when you did this at the NCAA <laughs> tournament? It's a good feeling. Yeah. Um how do, how do you, you know, you, you said you feel nervous and you explained why. I don't think you're walking around nervous all day. But how do you feel Thursday morning at the NCAAs as, as a head coach, right? Maybe there's more pressure. Maybe there's a different feeling to some degree. But, but how do you feel or how will you feel, do you think, you know, Thursday morning? And I know it's a long weekend, but yeah. Um, I, I don't know how other coaches feel. I, I just feel like a, a sense of um, helplessness because – I want to get out there and wrestle. Uh-huh. <laughs> I want to get out there and, and control my own destiny with my own two hands. I actually told the guys uh, before Pac-12, I was like, I am so incredibly jealous of you guys. Uh, like, you know, the, the the butterflies and nerves, the the shaking before you get to go out, and then the cool, you know, sense of calm that comes over you when you slap hands. And, you know, that's what you're going to miss most about the sport. That's why we, we I, that's why I coach. Uh, I'm not, I'm not, here to build my brand or anything like that i'm here to build young men and give them those opportunities to go out there so thursday morning i'll be a nervous wreck because i just i i don't have that release of my nerves i don't get to go and and, and club somebody and wake my body up double over <laughs> let it fling 17 seconds in <laughs> yeah um, well, you know, it sounds really easy when you talk about it, but yeah, there's a lot of other things going into that. Uh, and Kyle, you know, I, 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 what's that? I said it sounds really cool, like the double over spin somebody in 17 seconds. You didn't talk about Brad Dillon uh, when I was just incredibly nervous uh, going into the quarterfinals when um, I'm literally standing on deck. And everybody's the whole two weeks was talking about me and Greg Jones having like a one versus two super match in the finals. And I literally am warming up and I'm watching Greg. And I told Branch before, I was like, I think that, um, um, I think it was Rashad Evans. I had wrestled Rashad and I couldn't take him down. But I turned him on top and I was like, I had, a, I was a little bit better than Greg on top. I was like, Greg's going to really struggle with this guy. And, Sure enough, I'm literally standing there watching him, and I'm like, oh, Greg Jones just lost. I was like, I want to be national champ. It's easy. I'm good. And Brant was like, get your head in the game. I'm like, no, look, Brant. And then I remember it was like that round. It was Greg. You have to go back and look, Kyle. I remember it was like like five out of the top eight seeds went down. And I remember just sitting there just being like, I won a national championship. And then I go out and he knocks me off, and I'm like, what did I do? Robbie Waller's like, ah, oh, the door's open. 
Oh, and then Jake made the finals, and I remember I'm drilling with Jake, warming him up for the finals, bawling. Oh. I'm literally in tears because I'm watching Robbie Waller from OU. I beat five times that year, and Carl Fraunhofer, who I had teched and pinned in the NCAA finals. And I'm I'm just a drilling dummy for my my best friends. Like, oh my god, you feel so good. Oh, you're 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 ready to go. And just like I mean, I'm like literally hysterical, crying in the back oh. because I'm like. I can't believe I let my national championship slip through my fingers because I was so full of myself. And it was a really, really tough lesson to learn. Wow. Yeah. Kids, listen to that. I want. Listen to your match and don't worry about everybody else. Listen to them because it is 100% true. I will never forget, like, trying to face this way. But out of the corner of my eye, I'm like, oh, my God, he's getting beat. I'm going to win this thing. Anything can and will happen at the NCAA championships. Um, I'm super stoked. Um, yeah, what are we? Not eight eight days away. I think today's Wednesday. Yeah, yeah. Week from today, everybody's gonna be oh. in Detroit. Yep. Super pumped. Um, Kyle, you're kind of hanging out over here, a little quiet, but I'm sure you got something to say. Chris, we have our game sweated out. I have five questions that I'm gonna ask. Are you ready to play? Let's go. All right, number one, what Division One head wrestling coach has the most dual meet wins? Current? Uh, no, all time. All time wins. Oh, I actually do know this one. Dang it. Um, Dale Thomas? Yep, Dale Thomas, Oregon State, 616. Got it. Wow. Nice, nice pulling that one out. All right, number two. What former NFL fullback was an All-American wrestler at Fresno State and was a state champion for Lee Moore High School in California? Lorenzo Neal, who bought me my first pair of wrestling shoes. He took fourth place as a freshman, and then the football coaches sat him down and said, stop, stop. You're going to be a number one draft pick in the NFL draft. And sure enough, he was. But the bonus follow-up is he used to leave football practices at Fresno State and come back to Lamore High School and roll around with us because he just loved wrestling. Really? Also, uh, Kyle, yeah. it's, it's Lamore, not Lemore, right? Yeah, no. yeah, I said Lemore. It's Lemore. Yeah. yeah. For the, I appreciate that. Yeah, uh, yeah, you yeah, did no get problem. Correct. Number three, what show did fictional character Eddie Haskell appear? Leave it to Beaver. That was easy. Yep. Oh, I mean, oh. Beaver, I get Beaver it. Question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, uh, what what U.S. president has a dam named after him? Uh, Hoover. Yep, Herbert no. Hoover, Hoover Dam. Yeah, you got oh, it. Okay. Yeah, don't back. Okay, I was, like, uh, I was like, oh my god, wait. You got it. Um, and number five, it's it's our discretion, but who has the best John Smith impression? Now listen, son. If you don't think anybody but Chris Pendleton has the best John Smith impression, you just flat out lost your mind, kid. And I don't know how to help you. Is it you? It might I think be. it's me. But, but but Coleman Scott un, unintentionally does it really <laughs> well. Coleman kind of sounds like him. Unintentionally, I don't think it's an impression. I think when Coleman just gets mad, he goes back to some uh, uh, previous experience. You, the thing about John Smith too, uh, I, I noticed with, with I noticed this with Chris Perry this weekend, and I've seen it in the past when Coleman was coaching with him. I seen it with Guerrero, Esposito. They like I don't know, but like guys sit next to him, or even if they're standing at a dual meet, their bodies like move in unison. They're watching, you know. It's it, it happens. I mean, I, I notice like when I'm around him, like you kind of just like. You know, he's such a huge mentor. I think there's some some conscious clues that we kind of like clue into and and everything. So it's it's really funny. I still don't like coaching against him. <laughs> Have you? Do you guys duel them? Or just yeah? You don't even make eye contact. You're like, that's a terrible call, and you just like don't even look over at him. <laughs> it's a little intimidating. A little intimidating, I'm sure. Um, Chris, you sure you want to throw that brick? Uh, are you Jedi mind tricking me? <laughs> this is great. So do you, you know, I know you said you talked to Brian Smith and, and had some uh, conversations about getting your program out there. Do you talk with Coach Smith much? Coach to coach? Oh, yeah. yeah, I have, I, I think I have, uh, uh, I 
mean, I, I'm very, very fortunate where I've had a lot of really, really good mentors. Obviously, John's my um, my my go to guy when I ever need anything. Uh, you know, he he's 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 still John Smith. He's still my hero, and I, I is somebody that I really look up to. But I also really always like looking at other programs and what's successful. I mean, I I, I can tell you, I've. I love chatting with Pat Santoro. I love chatting with Papalizio. I love chatting with, I like chatting with uh, Tom Brands. I, I really just want to try to figure out what other people are doing and doing the right way. Um, you know, there, there are some coaches that, you know, I really, really respect that. I know that they're doing things the right way with their programs and that's what I emulate to be. Awesome. Um, no, I'm still getting the coffee going. <laughs> What's that? <laughs> no, my dyslexia kicked in there. Your brain's bubbling, sure. Um, okay, well, hey, we're gonna we're, we're kind of down to the end of the line, anyways. So we're gonna let you go get some coffee or whatever you need to do. But before we do, we're gonna give you the final word. Uh, anything you want to say about anything? Yeah, you know, it was actually really funny. Well, I, I really would love for Flo to do this one day. Um, I was talking about to somebody about like some of the early flow films. And I went up and I went on and looked up uh, my first flow film that I ever did. My first interview, 2007, where flow came in and they were doing all these little interviews. And I was just kind of like thinking about it throughout the years, like how many of us have been on for, I mean, for me, 2007, what is that? 13 Oh yeah, yeah, yeah! I have my math. I'm thinking I've been here for 13 years, almost 14. But I came in away. Yeah, I mean, this, you know, I, I, you go back and you watch, like, you see interviews of you know little David Taylor and stuff. I'm like, man, it'd be really cool to do like a compilation video of like everybody's like growth and where we've gone and everything. I mean, like, there's some old videos on there that are really, really cool. I'm like, now here I am trying to sift through and search Chris Pendleton and find the very first one. Oh man. Had a big old head, skinny body. The raccoon hunter. <laughs> this is on your couch. Yeah. I couldn't no. get Martin to leave my house for like two weeks. <laughs> he just like parked and slept in the driveway or something, right? No, he slept on my couch and okay. he had that weird creepy van. Yeah. And I was like, hey man, you gotta leave. Like, go. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 one more video. Like, I got nothing else. <clears throat> I'm glad you said flow film, right? Those are interviews. Films are a little different. We have a new film coming out, and I just figured we'll play the trailer. It's, it's about Stanford and everything that happened, right? Uh, oh. with, with getting dropped and then coming back. And it's going to come, it comes out next Wednesday. So I know you'll be busy, but maybe after the tournament, you'll get a chance to watch it. Just want to throw the trailer out. No, we'll take no, a look, and then. Just, and then... I want to uh, give them, I mean, I want to give uh, uh, Borelli, Ray Blake, Alex Sherpelli. You know, as much as I complained about what happened last year with me and my program, yeah. I mean, do you know what like those kids were going through? Like program getting dropped, they weren't even allowed to work out. They had to like work out in people's backyards on mats. Yeah. It's I mean, so I, I got to stop complaining so much. <laughs> All right. Well, we're, we're going to play this trailer. Um, it's called Stand for the Resurrection. So Tyler, whenever you're ready, let's kick that over. Shane Griffin from Stanford. He may be the last ever to wrestle for Stanford. Over the summer, one of 11 sports told they'd be eliminated. I looked at my coach, and I, I saw an opportunity to kind of make this worldwide news, country news. It was obviously on ESPN, so it was a great time to expose it to people all across the country and get some eyes and kind of some pressure on Stanford and kind of put them on the hot seat now. Stanford, they will be discontinuing their wrestling program, which is a real shock. I think in the moment, I was very upset with the handling of it. We were in the trenches right off the bat. We think about the wrestlers. What's going to happen with them? Yep. Real Woods, Shane Griffith, Jay Navis. For me, it was trying to piece pieces of the puzzle together, but we didn't have any pieces to piece together. Wrestling's gone along with him others, and we're not going to say why. We don't need to say why. Something's not right. For Shane, he was the right person to be in that moment. He knew we were the only opportunity of getting this team back. Actions speak louder than words at the end of the day. The whole time I was like, this is not the right decision. There's a better way. All right, so fellow Pac-12 team, 
just wanted to um yeah kind of put that out there i think i think the trailer is releasing today anyway so it'll be up and, and out and everybody but i wanted to give you a quick look at it um that's awesome yeah yeah so we gave you the last word but i'll give you is there anything else you want to say we're gonna, we're gonna let you get going here no no thank you guys for the time um always enjoy it awesome chris thanks so much appreciate it i'll see you in detroit all right see you guys all right thanks adios okay folks that's gonna do it for today's show Oregon State head coach Chris Pendleton. Always a joy chat with him. Kyle, you got anything else for us? Double overs. Double overs. All right, folks. Thanks so much for Kyle Klingman. I'm Mark Bader. We'll see you next time.